Hey everyone, Greg Baird here. Before I begin today's story, I want to take a moment and ask that you check me out on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. There are several tiers with great benefits, from ad-free content to t-shirts and other cool stuff. And I have plenty of wonderful merch in my store, and the link is in my show notes. As well, if you're a fan of Canadian history, make sure you check out all of my shows, from John to Justin, Canadian History X, Canada, A Yearly Journey, and Pucks and Cups, along with Canada's Great War. And don't forget, you can also donate directly to the show at www.canadaehx.com. Just click Donate. It helps keep this show going. Okay, on with the show. I'm Craig Baird, and this is From John to Justin. Henry Joseph Clark has a distinction of succeeding Mark Gerard, the Premier of Manitoba, and also being succeeded by him. Today we look at the third Premier of Manitoba, the man with the giant beard, Henry Joseph Clark. Born in Ireland on July 7, 1833, Clark moved to Canada when he was only three. His father was employed in the Customs Department in Montreal and later served as a counsellor and alderman. As a young man, he attended Montreal Academy and St. Mary's College. He had a fluency in both English and French, which would aid him throughout his life. After school, he began to practice law in Montreal in 1855, but the call of the gold rush was too strong and he moved to California in 1858 to take advantage of the rush happening there. While there, he worked as a journalist for the Alta Californian. Around this time, he married a widow with two sons. He didn't have much success in California, so he left to go to El Salvador in the early 1860s, looking for a bit of adventure. There, he learned to speak Spanish. After that period of time abroad, he came back to Montreal and started working as a criminal lawyer. He took his first foray into politics when he ran for the province of Canada's legislature in 1863 as a liberal conservative, but he lost. During the Fenian raids of 1866, he was a captain in the Prince of Wales Regiment, and one year later he was made the QC in the regiment. He was a close friend of Thomas Darcy McGee, and he had read a biography about him in 1867 that sold quite well. In 1870, on the advice of his friend Georges Etienne Cartier, he moved out to the new province of Manitoba to help build the new provincial government. He arrived in the new province on September 2, 1870, shortly after the end of the Red River resistance. On December 27, 1870, in the first election in Manitoba's history, he was elected by acclamation and appointed on January 3, 1871, as the first Attorney General of the province. As the new Attorney General, he quickly became known for his skill in debating. In the role of Attorney General, it also fell to him to establish the legal system of this new province of Manitoba. Unfortunately, he did not get along with Lieutenant Governor Adams George Archibald, the most powerful man in the province. Archibald considered Clark to be too ambitious and a man of ill temper. The two men often had policy disagreements, especially when it came to establishing a Supreme Court for the province. Archibald wrote to Cartier, stating, He seeks to constitute himself the bar of Manitoba and to shut the door to every person else he did not think fit to admit. Clark wanted three justices to serve on the court, while Archibald only wanted one judge. Clark refused to compromise, and the issue grew to be quite large, eventually leading to Sir John A. Macdonald getting involved and establishing a court with a single justice. In 1871, Clark tried to put through a bill in the legislature that would restrict the number of out-of-province lawyers in the province to just 10, with the Attorney General having final authority over who could and could not participate. This was opposed by Archibald and the federal government, who overruled him. 
Archibald had written to McDonald stating, Bad as he is where he is, he would be greatly worse on the bench. Whoever else you think of, don't think of him. When Alexander Morris took over as Lieutenant Governor, he wrote, With all his faults, he is the best man I have, and has a strange streak of good chivalrous loyalty running through his strange composition. In other words, he is an Irishman. Of course, within two weeks, he was telling MacDonald that Clark was unprincipled. Around this time, Clark left his wife Anne for a married woman, Maria Sinclair, whom he would later marry himself. This cost him a great deal of support with both the Catholic and Protestant voters. The Montreal Gazette wrote of Clark at this point, Mr. Henry J. Clark is not a Protestant pervert, having been born and bred in the Catholic faith. Throughout his time in the legislature, Clark was a spokesperson for the Métis of Manitoba, but only those who opposed Louis Riel's leadership. As a result of this, he was opposed by the English residents who called themselves ultra-loyalist, while also being opposed by the supporters of Riel. The Métis stated he was unfair and discriminated against the Métis. When three Métis were arrested on charges of treason for allowing Fenians to raid the province in 1871, Clark was the man who led the prosecution, but it only resulted in one conviction. In 1872, Clark ran against Lou Riel in the federal election, but neither man won as they stood aside so Georges Etienne Cartier could run in the election instead. MacDonald said to Clark at this juncture, You are very wise and patriotic. You are too young and active a politician to be laid on the shelf as a judge just now. Beginning on March 14, 1872 and lasting until July 8, 1874, he technically served as the Premier, but again wasn't called Premier. While some don't consider him Premier, I've decided to, and that is why he has this episode about him. Overall, despite not always getting along with the Lieutenant Governors of the province, he was respected. The Ottawa Daily Citizen wrote of him in 1872, We've received a copy of the report of the Honourable Henry Clark of Manitoba as a representative of that province at the recent immigration conference. It seems to be well prepared and ably written document. We shall refer to it at great length in a day or two. After attending that conference in Ottawa, he wrote another report that called for better terms for Manitoba. He wanted an increase in the federal subsidy, financial assistance to build public buildings, a police force, enlarged provincial boundaries, and the continuation of 4% custom tariffs in Manitoba past July 1, 1874. Despite the report, all that was really agreed upon was providing an extra $25,000 to the province for its needs. In 1873, Clark defended an English trader and conman named Lord Gordon Gordon, who claimed to be a Scottish lord and made a fortune off investment fraud. When the true identity of Gordon was revealed, it caused a great deal of embarrassment for Clark in the province. One year later, when John Norquay's bill for electoral redistribution failed, Clark resigned as Attorney General and went to California. While visiting Minnesota, a group of investors who had been defrauded by Gordon attacked Clark, seriously injuring him. Clark returned to Winnipeg in 1877 and was unsuccessful in running for the legislature in 1878 and 1879. By this point, he campaigned against bilingualism in the province and funding for Catholic schools. After those losses, he practiced law in Winnipeg and served as a criminal lawyer once again. Then, after the Northwest Resistance in 1885, he defended 25 followers of Louis Riel in court, surprising many people. On September 13, 1889, while traveling on a train near Medicine Hat, Clark died at the age of 56. He had been going to British Columbia due to health problems, and it was stated that he had burst a blood vessel and died within four minutes on the train. The Montreal Star wrote of him, 
Mr. Clark was a man of limited education, but he had traveled a great deal and was the possessor of an extraordinary disposition, and his peculiar freaks caused him to lose caste with his friends. Clark Street in Winnipeg is named for him. I hope you enjoyed that episode and our look at Henry Joseph Clark. Information from Biography, the Canadian Encyclopedia, Manitoba Historical Society, Montreal Gazette, Wikipedia, Ottawa Daily Citizen, and the Montreal Star. If this is your first time listening and you like what you heard, please take a moment and give us a five-star review to help other people find these amazing stories. And there are so many you can sink your teeth into. We also love hearing from you, so if you have a show topic you want me to cover, email me at craig at canadaehx.com or stop by my website and social media. I'll include all of those links in the show notes.